Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series, Off the Fence. In week two, our big idea is get off the fence of can't stop. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 2 and 4. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Well, welcome to the second week of Off the Fence. And let me ask this question. Have you ever found yourself on the fence, stuck, torn, or hesitant? And maybe that involves some type of decision in your life about work or a relationship or an opportunity or a purchase, and you're not sure which way to go. Should I do this or not? Should I say yes or should I say no? And you're not exactly sure. Now, here's the thing about sitting on the fence. It's not very comfortable, at least not for the long term, right? I mean, just look at the fence. No matter how you arrange yourself on the fence, it's just not going to be very comfy. That's one of the things we know about sitting on the fence. Here's what else we know. It keeps us from doing something. It actually keeps us a bit lethargic because we're stuck there, we're torn, we're hesitant, and so we sense we should stay there, and it just keeps us from movement. And here's something else. It's just not sustainable. It's not something that we can do for a very long time. So when you apply all of this, the fact that sitting on the fence is not very comfortable, it keeps us from movement, it keeps us lethargic, and it's not something that's sustainable. When you take that concept and you apply it to our spirituality, to our walk with God, to our friendship with God, I believe it's very safe to say that God does not want us to sit on the fence. That's not the best place for us. And so this series is about saying, let's get off the fence. And we focused on some key areas and we'll continue to do that. But let's get off the fence Because being isolated and being lethargic, being uncomfortable, is not something that God wants for us. He wants us to live the kind of life that he designed for us. And it's really difficult to do that while we're sitting on the fence and we're stuck and we're torn and we're hesitant. So here's what we discovered last week. We said, let's get off the fence of can't be done. What does that mean? Well, often we allow failures in our lives. Failures that have happened recently or failures that are perhaps buried way in the past to drive us to use this kind of language. It can't be done. Can't be done. God can't use me. God wouldn't want to use me. It simply can't be done because of this event or this thing or this failure. God can't use me. It can't be done. My brother Aaron spoke last week and shared with us that we need to get off the fence of can't be done, and we can do that because of three realities. And I want to review this so you can see these on the screen. Let's just kind of think about these realities when it comes to getting off the fence of can't be done. God can't use me, I'm a failure. Well, here's three realities. Your biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. They're just not. If they were then the grace of God isn't that big. And one of the things you discover when you walk through Scripture is that the grace of God is this enormous thing that just covers all. 
If I can exhaust the grace of God with my failures, if I can run out the grace of God because of something that I've done, then he's not a very big God. As a matter of fact, he really wouldn't be God at all. So your biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. Whatever that looks like for you and whatever you're feeling, whatever that thing is that weighs you down, it's not too big for God's grace. Secondly, you are not what you have done. You are what God says you are. See, often we speak to ourselves and say, well, here's what you are, here's what you've done, and because you've done this, it means you're this. But when we think about the grace of God and what he extends to us, you are not what you have done, you are what God says you are. You are forgiven. You are clean. You are usable. You are worthy. That's what God tells us about us, and that's great news. And then thirdly, you can't change your past, but Christ has the ability to change your future. And sometimes we stay on the fence of can't be done because of failure. But yet when you walk through scripture, you see person after person, failure after failure, sin after sin, and God working through it all to change people. Can't be done? Not true. Not true. It can be done. And so we have to get off the fence of can't be done. Whatever those failures look like, we can't sit there. It's not a good place. All right, that was all last week. Now, let's think about today. It's get off the fence of can't stop. So last week, get off the fence of can't be done. Today, we're going to talk about get off the fence of can't stop. And honestly, this is kind of a difficult situation and a difficult topic to discuss. And here's why it's a bit difficult. That's because I think we all have things in our lives that we say, I, I can't stop that. There's a lot of other things that I can stop and I can give that up, but that thing, I can't stop that. It's a weakness. It's some type of temptation in our life. And often nobody knows about these things because we keep them a secret from other people. But here's the thing I want us to discover and what I want us to realize is we're going to keep this real today because I believe if we could get off the fence of can't stop, then we would be living the kind of life that God wants us to live. And this is what we want to chase. So have you ever found yourself saying or even thinking this? And I'm going to run a list here. I don't know if your thing, your can't stop issue that keeps you on the fence is in this list. You can certainly think of your own, but here's just a list. So have you ever found yourself saying or thinking, I can't stop lying or spending or bragging or eating or envying? I can't stop my angry outbursts, or drinking, or lustful thoughts, or looking at porn. I can't stop minimizing the accomplishments of others. Abusive language, jealousy, hating. I can't stop, and you fill in the blank with your thing that trips you. I just can't stop. Is there a temptation in your life right now that has a hold on you and you feel hopeless because you sense you can't stop? 
Does that exist for you? I want you to know that we have good news, and that is we are not left without hope. And that's what we're going to discuss today. So here's our big idea. We're just going to say, let's get off the fence of can't stop. It's just time to do that. Whatever that thing is that we have identified as, I can't stop that, let's get off the fence because that's not what God wants for us. So if you have a Bible or a device, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is the paragraph that we're going to unpack today, and I want to share with you some different tools that Scripture gives so we can get off the fence of can't stop. What's happening here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is that the writer is giving a lesson from Israel's history. And one of their temptations as a group of people is that they struggled with idolatry. That was like a big hang-up for them, a big temptation, where they would take someone or something and they would put it in the place of God. And that would become more important to them as a nation than God himself, even though God had done so much for them. That was their temptation. Let's replace God with this person or this object or all of this stuff. Idolatry. And God would often come and say to his people, look, I want you to get off the fence of you saying you can't stop the whole idolatry thing. Because you can, and here's some tools that are going to help with that. So in the middle of that reminder, here's what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 12. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is, say the word with me, church, faithful. Yeah, he's faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Some really incredible verses here that talk about temptation and how we can get off and stay off the fence of can't stop. So what I want to do is I want to pull three observations from those verses. Here's number one. If you think temptation doesn't affect you, you're setting yourself up for a fall. That's how you feel right now, or if that's what you're saying, "Uh, you know, this talk isn't for me because I don't have a lot of issues with that. Or I'm... 50, 60, 70 years of age and temptation doesn't knock on my door anymore. Just know that if that's how you feel, you're setting yourself up for a fall. And we want to avoid that. Here's the second observation. You're not alone in what tempts you. Now you may be carrying that alone because it is your secret, but whatever that temptation is, no matter how dark you sense it is, There are others who have experienced the exact same thing. That's just true. Observation number three, and that is God provides an escape from temptation. So if you think temptation doesn't affect you, you're setting yourself up for a fall. You're not alone in what tempts you, and God provides an escape from temptation. What I want to do now is I'm going to take those three observations back through the grid of what we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And let's look at some of the language here and the construction of how this is put together. And then we'll move on to our takeaways where we'll have some tools to get off the fence of can't stop. So let's think about this. Observation number one, if you think temptation doesn't affect you, you're setting yourself up for a fall. Let's go back to verse 12. 
That's exactly what it says. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Now, do you see that phrase, be careful there? It means beware, be perceptive, take heed. Right? So if you think you're above all of this, I want you to be careful. That's what the writer is saying. Be perceptive. Take heed to this beware, not to fall, which actually means here to fail or to fall down. And part of the language we have here in verse 12 suggests that this falling, this failing, is like an old-fashioned beatdown. It's what it feels like. Does anybody like an old-fashioned beatdown physically? Right? Look around the room. Nobody's raising their hand because nobody likes that. But when we think we are standing strong and we're above this, we've got to be careful, beware, be perceptive. We've got to take heed because we might be setting ourselves up for a fail or a falling down or an old-fashioned beatdown. Now, here, here's something that we've got to remember. Jesus himself experienced temptation. He did. And I want to share a couple of verses from you from Hebrews chapter 2 and then Hebrews chapter 4 that speak to this. I think this is important for us to understand and to know. Even Jesus himself experienced temptation. So when we talk about riding above all of this like it can't affect me, if it impacted Jesus... Well, guess what? It's going to impact all of us as well. So here's what we read in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Because he, Jesus himself, suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then here's what we find in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And that's obviously the difference between Jesus and us, is Jesus experienced temptation, but he beat them all, he never sinned. He couldn't do that or he wouldn't be God. We obviously struggle with our temptation and leading into sin, but the point is, if Jesus himself was tempted by the enemy, what does that mean for the rest of us? Well, it means it's going to happen. So nobody's immune to this. Nobody gets to skip out on being tempted. It's a real thing. And so we've got to be careful. We've got to take heed. We have to be perceptive. Here's the second observation. That is, you're not alone in what tempts you. So back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience meaning that others face the same thing. Now, we often convince ourselves that nobody else has experienced this, and the enemy wants to isolate us and say, you're all alone on this one, and you're odd, and you're strange, and you're weird because you have that kind of temptation. And when the enemy whispers that kind of language into our lives, guess what? We get stuck on the fence because we feel frightened and lethargic and we're stuck and we're hesitant And again, that's not where God wants us to be. Other people have experienced the exact same temptations that you experience. Not only have they felt that, but others have had victory, which means we can do the same. But when we think we're all alone, 
In our temptation, we stay on the fence and we almost assume defeat. But as it says in verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. All right, here's observation number three, and that is God provides an escape. That's what he does. So back to verse 13. Here's some really powerful words here. It says God is faithful, which means he is trustworthy. He will not allow, which means he will not permit the temptation to be more than you can stand. So let's be encouraged here. This is where the hope is coming now. God is faithful. He's trustworthy and he will not permit the temptation to be more than what any of us can stand. When you are tempted, here's what he will do. He will show you a way out. And that phrase, way out there, means an exit. Or literally, a way of escape. So that you can endure, and that word endure means to bear up under. So let's just think about the rest of verse 13 here, because this is rich. God is trustworthy. He will not permit the temptation to be more than what you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you an exit. He will show you an escape route so that you can bear up under whatever it is that you are experiencing. Okay, all of that sounds kind of religious, doesn't it? Like, how is that actually going to help me when the heat is on and I am in the moment of temptation and I have a choice to make? Am I going to do this or not? Am I going to stay on the fence or not? How does this work? And the thought that God will help me and that God provides an escape route and that God will help me bear up under this, it sounds a bit cliche-ish and not very helpful. So what do we do when we find ourselves on the fence of, I can't stop? Well, God actually provides something for us in verse 14, which I have not read yet, but I want to read it right now, because this provides some wonderful application for us. Here's what it says, verse 14. So, my dear friends... Flee from the worship of idols. Remember, that was kind of their can't stop thing. Man, God, we just really love worshiping other idols. We just, we have a bent toward that. We just can't stop. God's like, well, absolutely, you can stop. That's possible. And I provide a way out for you. I am trustworthy. I can help you bear up under that. And, oh, here's something else I want you to do. I want you to flee. And that word literally means to run away, to vanish, to escape. That's what I want you to do. So here's what's very interesting about this. There's God's part in this whole temptation thing. And God says, I'm faithful. I am trustworthy. I will help you bear up under this. I will provide a way of escape for you. That's God's part. Guess what? I have a responsibility. I, I have a choice to make in all of this. And it's not to stay stuck and torn and hesitant. My choice is to vanish. To find the escape route and run hard after that thing. And if I literally have to pick up and run away from a situation, I think God would be really, really happy with that. So there's God's part in all of this. He's trustworthy. He helps us bear up under. He provides a way out. But there's also my part. There's your part. It's running. It's finding the escape hatch. It's vanishing. 
Got three takeaways for you. Number one, name your temptation. Just know it. What trips you up? What gets you? What are you thinking about right now that you feel, I, I can't stop that. I wish I could, but I can't. Nobody else knows about this. It's my own little secret thing. I wish I could stop that. What is that in your life? Name it. Know it. Be aware of that. Be perceptive. Remember, that's what verse 12 tells us. Be careful. Take heed to that. So first of all, name your temptation. Secondly, attach a verse and pray it in the moment. Attach a verse to that temptation, that thing, and just begin to pray that in the heat of the battle. I had someone share this concept with me many, many years ago. And they said, think of it as prayer darts. That when you sense you're in a moment of temptation and you're about to fall or about to give in, have a verse that you say and you pray over that whole situation and just continue to say it and pray it, spray it, sing it, cry it, whatever you got to do over and over and over again so that you're getting God's word into your mind and into your heart and you're diffusing whatever that temptation in your life might be. By the way, this is exactly what Jesus did when he was tempted by the enemy. Each and every time he said, don't you know it has been said? And then he would go on to quote scripture. He's throwing up scripture darts, prayers to his father, helping him to overcome a temptation. And we need to be ready to do the same. So attach a verse and pray it in the moment. Let me give you some ideas. Anything from Ephesians chapter 4 would be really appropriate. It's kind of a fun chapter because in there, there's all these lists of things like stop this, put this off, put on this in its place. And there's just all kinds of stuff in there that we deal with all of the time. And so I would encourage you, go to Ephesians chapter 4. You might find your thing, your temptation there. And then you can take that verse and that can be what you pray over the temptation. I would also encourage you to look at Romans chapter 6. In the opening part of Romans chapter 6, and this is one of the things that I use, and I just love it, it talks about, what should I say then? Should I continue in sin so that grace can abound? And often, I'll name my temptation. So, what should I say then? Should I continue in this particular area that's going to keep me on the fence? And then the verses go on to say, God forbid. How can I who am dead to sin, live any longer in this. I just some marvelous language about how God views sin and views us to it. I can be dead to that thing, that thing, that sin, that issue, that temptation. And so do I need to just continue this so that God can forgive and grace can abound? No, no, no. God doesn't want that. God forbid. How can I give in to this thing that I'm actually dead to? Well, just saying that over and over and over again in the moment really provides great relief And it helps me to know I'm actually dead to this thing. I don't have to give in. So say it, pray it, sing it, cry it, and then do it again. And allow this to be what helps you endure the heat of the moment. See, I think this actually helps prepare us. This is a quote from an author that I read. He says this, The greatest enemy of the Christian is spiritual unpreparedness. It's a failure to be ready for temptation. That's our greatest enemy. 
We're just not ready for it. We're not ready for it because we're not watching for it. And secondly, we're not praying. We're not in constant communion with God. As long as we're focusing on Christ, there's resource. But as soon as we stop praying, that is, we stop that constant communion with Him, we are vulnerable. So get a verse. Get a verse. Find it somewhere. Maybe for some of you, it's your life verse that you picked out at the beginning of the year, and that would work for you. But maybe that doesn't. Maybe you've got to search for something else. Find that and allow that to drive your communion with Christ in the heat of the battle. And then thirdly, run. Vanish. Escape. And do all of that claiming the promises of God that he is faithful And he will help you bear up under whatever it is. And don't set yourself up for failure by playing with fire. No, we're weak. Let's run. Let's escape. Let's vanish. Let's get out and have great communion with God. We do all of this because it's time. When you think about our friendship with God, it's time for us to get off the fence of can't stop. Let's do that. Father, we're thankful for some time today just to look at these incredible verses found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You have given us a great outline of how we can experience victory. God, I think sometimes we beat ourselves up and we assume I just can't stop whatever that thing might be that trips us up. And God, I think even in the process of our conversation today, you are probably whispering into people's hearts what that thing is, what that item is, what that scenario is that has a hold on us that makes us feel helpless. God, we've all got them, and if we don't think we do, we're setting ourselves up for an old-fashioned beatdown. So God, I pray that you'd help us to think about this item right now and that we would commit to using these takeaways to getting into scripture, to praying over the situation, to thanking you for the part that you play in this, that you're faithful and you will help us to bear up under whatever it is. But God, help us to know that we have a part in this as well. And our responsibility is to find the escape that you provide. God, no longer can we say, I just can't help myself. Because we can And you provided some tools for us. It's not necessarily easy. It takes a great effort on our part to say no and to run and to vanish and to escape. And people don't understand that and people aren't always going to get that. But God, that's okay. We've got to make sure we're maintaining our friendship with you. We've got to make sure we're being obedient to you. So God, I pray that you'd help us to do that as we walk out of here in just a moment. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Maybe God here in this hour is really just whispering to you a little bit about your temptations. Those things that get you, those things that trap you. While it can be uncomfortable to think through this, this is the time. And I wouldn't want you to walk out of here in a moment forgetting about this and just going back to sitting on the fence. Let's get off the fence. So in this moment, 
Would you just talk to God about whatever that item is and say, God, you've provided a way out for me. You're going to help me bear up under this. You are faithful. You are trustworthy. Help me to do my part and find the way out and to escape, to vanish. Just pray. Talk to God about your issues right now. God, thank you for speaking into our lives today. Help us to take 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and the tools that you've provided to help us get off the fence of can't stop. I pray that for me. I pray that for everybody in this room. That throughout this week, we would experience some amazing victory in areas of our lives that maybe we never thought possible. God, give that to us and help us to know we have an enemy who's going to try to trip us up. And now that we've been alerted to this, he's going to work even harder. So prepare us for that. And God, help us to get off the fence. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.